Welcome to Friday Vibes. No scripts, just chat. We talk all things food and beverage and so much more. Feel our vibe and search for Friday Vibes on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And make sure to give us a five-star review. Now your hosts, me, Alex Bear with Genius Juice and Wade Yeti. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to episode 49 of Friday Vibes. No script, just a happy new year. I decided to get a little bit. That's me being daring and creative and taking chances, Wade. That's my artistic freedom, Alex. Exactly. How's it going? It's going good, man. It's going good. How was your uh, trip to uh, Carlsbad? Now you're back, right? You're back home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was was awesome. Uh, Weather was beautiful. We escaped the just absolutely crazy cold front they had that over this way uh literally the day that uh everything broke out in cold there is when we we escaped and uh had a beautiful week there got some sun uh brought back a little cold with me which i'm not happy about but that's that's okay uh it's 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 all good but we had we had a good time got to see a few people some friends and uh, i'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit but yeah it was a good week awesome stuff awesome stuff yeah i came back uh from Avila Beach uh, about a day after the the day of our last podcast. We really, we've been sacrificing a lot for the show, man. We, we, we were on right before Christmas. We're on right before New Year's. The love is, the love is big. We love you guys. That's why we're doing this. All right. No question. No question. So a um, couple of laundry list items I want to bring on our guest. I'm also kind of fighting a little cold myself, so I'm not going to be the same energetic uh, you know, Alex. Um, but what's good is that we're bringing on a guest so that he will fill in more airtime for me, plus what he was originally ske- what, it, what he was originally planning to do for airtime, plus more airtime. Right. Because I'm going to give him more. So we're going to be like a love. three-headed monster or something here. Three-headed monster. Yeah. And yeah. I can, he's, he's very smart. I mean, it's evidenced in his company name. That's right. So uh, a couple of laundry list items. Make sure to give us five stars on Apple podcast and also Spotify. Um, all you got to do is go on the app. It's on your phone. I think everyone has these, right, Wade? I think. I, last I checked, I think it's pretty much mandatory at this point. Yeah. I mean, every time I go to a Starbucks, I see no one talks to each other. They're just looking down. You know, the phone has one. Electronics has one. And uh, make sure to go on there. Give us five stars. Uh, we're also going to be hiring a part-time Friday vibe that will be reaching out to people all over LinkedIn t- to get you as a sponsor. If you want to sponsor our show, we'll shout you out. Um, and uh, yeah, so I think that's about it. And then if you want to also be a guest on our show um, or sponsor, make sure to reach out to us Friday vibes, 100 that's one zero zero at gmail.com. we got some great guests coming up. Uh, we have Allison Kane in the new year on January 13th. We have Brad Woodgate. And on January 27th, Luke Abbott. And we also have Daniel Scharf, who has been bumped and scheduled for February 24th. So some exciting mm-hmm. stuff coming up. All right. Well, without further ado, uh, our guest, I'm, I'm looking at his LinkedIn profile. Um, it doesn't really do du- justice to who this guy is. So I'm going to let him do the talking and, and talk about his story, his product. And I just recently figured out how to pronounce his last name. So that's good that we're connecting on this level. As in, re- as in recent last five minutes or so, right? Yeah. I mean, we don't prepare at all. There's no, there's no script, just chat. There's no briefing. What do they call that? Like in 
on set, like a briefing person or a green room or all that yeah. shit? Something no. like that. Yeah. I mean, we, we look in the room, but right. as you can see, but you know, not the green room you would think about. So uh, our guest is Will Nitza, and he is the CEO of IQ Bar. You go to eatiqbar.com. He's hailing from Boston, Massachusetts. Will, how you doing, man? Good. How's it going? Well, I know how it's gone. It's not, not going great for you, but uh, good to be here regardless. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's really awesome to finally meet you. I have not ever met you, I don't believe, at any trade shows. Um, are you go? Do you go to expos like the Expo West, Expo East? Are you attending? Do you attend those usually? No events, zero events, zero. Okay. No. Now, why, why is that? I don't believe in them. Interesting. Tell us more. Uh, I think it's. I don't know. I was sort of agnostic to it, and I, you know, I started not. not fully bootstrapped, but super capital conscious back in 2018 when uh, that was less in vogue than it is today. Um, but I always just was super capital conscious. And so I always just thought it, everyone, when everyone was going to Expo West or Expo East or Fancy Food or whatever, I always was like, whoa, wait a second, you're, you're going to spend X amount of dollars. You're going to fly all these people out there. You're going to have 20 meetings leading up to this event talking about how you plan to make this event great. Um, you're going to schedule a zillion meetings. Um, you're going to go and hopefully all of that goes off seamlessly. And I always thought like, damn, that's a huge opportunity cost. Um, because it's not just that it's all this stuff. Then you also weren't doing because you were doing that. So mm -hmm. it's like, it's like two X. Um, and I was like, that has to be so compelling for me to do that uh, at an early stage. And then as we got a little farther along, um, it was like, okay, actually we, we could do this. Then it was more of like, at first it was like, I don't have the money or the people or the time or the whatever. And then I was like, okay, I, I think, I guess we could do this. Can we justify this? And I don't know. We've just never been able to justify it. I know I talk to a lot of people who are like, you know, it's such a great event and I'm, I'm sure it is any of these events. And we got XYZ sales from it and made ABC partnerships from it. And, and that's awesome. But I've also talked to a ton of people who are like that, that didn't happen. And um, so I don't know, just ne never been into it. Yeah. And a lot We're of also the, an e-commerce first brand. So in our DNA was not this world of a brick and right. mortar. We, we right. started with a Kickstarter and then we moved into website and we rolled that into Amazon. And still to this day, where the majority of our, our revenue comes from e-com. So it's I think that plays into it as well. Yeah. And I think like, you know, when going to these shows, you know, I've gone I haven't gone as long as other individuals. Uh, I know Wade's been in the business longer than me, but. I've been going to Expo West for seven years, eight years. And obviously we missed a couple along the way with COVID. And there are so many brands like in the emerging area, you know, like on the bottom floor, right? Which is, they call it the basement, I believe, in North Hall that you don't see them the next year. You see them for one year, either they're gone, they're out of business, or they deemed it not to be um, profitable. And I'm a believer that 
most events are just not profitable. Like they're, they just don't make sense for a company to actually be there and spend that level of money and resources and flying people out. And I mean, we, we're located in Southern California, which is I'm about 55 minutes from Anaheim uh, right now, the convention center. And it's still a lot to go there. So what I usually do is I just walk the floor. You know, I go there to connect with people, but I'm not going to be spending any more money than, let's say, you know, 500 bucks for a badge or whatever. So that that's my take on it. Um, but so your your e-commerce, you started e-commerce. And what's your strategy there? Because you started there. Now you're breaking into retail. Are you always going to be e-commerce focused? Well, Alex, correct me. But Will, um, you actually did this Kickstarter thing first, right? And I don't want to inter- I want to talk about e-commerce, but I'm really interested yeah. in the Kickstarter, how the evolution from idea to Kickstarter to e-commerce, like how did that all yeah. happen? Oh, we could spend the whole hour on the Kickstarter alone. That was a that was a crazy period. So I'll give you some background. <clears throat> I worked in software uh, right out of college because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was selling like one to three hundred thousand dollar a year software packages to oil and gas companies. So I was flying back and forth to Houston and selling, you know, software to ExxonMobil or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, did not like it. I think that was great. I'm really glad I cut my teeth in that. It was kind of a startup company and I, it was a demanding environment, worked long hours. I figured out what it means to work hard and run a good meeting and write a good email and yada, yada, yada. Um, but I was not passionate about it. I was not going to do it for the next 30, 40 years of my life. Um, and I sort of stumbled into nutrition. I got really into it um, because I read really two books, changed change my perspective and got me interested in it. The first one was Mission in a Bottle by uh, Seth Goldman and Barry Nailbuff. Yeah, I read that one. That's a good one. Yeah. It, it's like to this day, my favorite business book. But I went to Harvard and studied um, government and psychology and neuroscience. But Seth Goldman went to Harvard and he said, said government. And he, there's just all these weird parallels with me and Seth Goldman where I was like, wait, I am this guy. And he, and the story goes, he was walking in a park and he drank tea and it was too sweet. And he's like, why, why isn't there less sweet tea? And I was just like, I want to be this guy. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to start a beverage. That was like the first little inkling of like me being interested in this um, space. And then I read another book called Grain Brain by uh, David Perlmutter. And that just like blew my mind. So the basic idea being, you know, we eat things and we look at how they interact with our body, meaning like our gut, our thighs, our whatever. You know, we gain weight or we lose weight. And no one really thinks about how it affects your brain because there aren't nerve endings in your brain. So you don't know when you hurt your brain by eating a pizza, but you do kind of feel queasy or obviously you see weight gain and things like that. It's, it's more ostensible than what do you do in your brain? And so there's like the short-term effect, right? You eat a pizza and you can't think at 2 PM. And then there's the long-term effect, which is the real killer, which is, well, let's say you ate pizza every day for 40 years. And then you get dementia, you get, let's say Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or what have you. And you and, and sort of like the standard reaction to that is, well, I was genetic, right? Like maybe my grandmother had Alzheimer's or maybe I was just predisposed to it. The reality is very much so that maybe that is true. Maybe it isn't, but you also epigenetically, meaning like you turned on and off certain genes through your diet over decades and decades. 
and vastly increased the odds that shit was going to hit the fan with your brain. And then it did. And, and so it was basically like this intersection of nutrition and cognition. No one was really talking about mostly because there wasn't a ton of longitudinal data on it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's hard. I mean, you need these stu- you need to like really have definitive data. You need decades and decades long studies but, and you need to know what people ate. Right. That's tough. Cause it's like self-reported. It's just very, very tricky. And so he tried to tackle that. And I was like, Whoa, this is crazy. How do people n- not, why aren't people focusing on this? Um, and then that kind of like segued into an interest in brain food, quote unquote. I was like, well, okay. If this guy has this great regimen, I'm so busy. I don't, I don't like to cook, which may or may not seem ironic, but um, I, I just want something ready to eat, like to go. That's like brain food. Like does brain food exist? And then it didn't really. And then, and then uh, this is a very roundabout way to get to the Kickstarter, but then I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. How do I do that? Like, how do you get money? How do you, I, I was starting at zero, right? I was selling software. Um, and I didn't know anyone in CPG, no one in my family was in CPG. So I, I called like five people in Boston who had CPG companies. I was like, how did you do it? Um, and it's a toy. It runs the gamut of like, I had saved up money and I used that or someone by uncle bet on me. And then I used that check to start or whatever. Um, but one group of guys did a Kickstarter and I was like, that seems compelling to me because there's the whole valuation chicken or egg problem where you're not a tech company, right? So at the time I had friends who had raised raised 3 million bucks on a 10 million value right out the gate uh, with a PowerPoint deck and a good team. And that just does not exist in CPG. And for better or worse, everything works backwards from sales. So I thought, okay, I need money. I'm going to need to raise money, but I need sales to justify evaluation to not massively dilute myself with that first money. So how do I solve that like chicken or egg problem? Cause I need money to make the product, to sell the product, to get the sales. So how's that work? And basically Kickstarter solves that problem to a degree. Um, at least at a theoretical level, you can get all these pre-sales. You can then take that money, give it to a co-packer. They make your stuff, um, fulfill all those orders and then go to investors and say, Hey, I got all these sales. Um, give me, I'm now worth X, give me Y amount of money at Z valuation. And it, and it worked. Um, again, in theory, big asterisk, you have to actually succeed, right? You have to go sell thousands of orders on Kickstarter. So that's a whole other topic. How do you get that to happen with basically no money, but it's a great, at least it was a great way to start. So, so Will, did you have, uh, you know, did you have in your mind, obviously you did because you, you, you have it on Kickstarter, but how did you develop what the product was going to be? Like, you know, you mentioned kind of on the go, but, but getting from the idea to the physical product, how did that go about? I mean, that was like, it was me in my living room. Like I, so I literally, so here's like the literal process thought process i want to make brain food cool what are the nutrients that have the most backing that they're good for your brain you know could be good because it helps you grow new neurons could be good because it gives you brain you know mental energy could be good because it staves off dementia whatever what are what's good for your brain and and 
So I like laid it all out. So it's like, cool, vitamin E, magnesium, flavonoids, MCTs, et cetera, et cetera. And then I was like, okay, great. And this is all in Excel. I was like, great. For each one, what are the things that are literally the highest in that that is a whole food? So like with vitamin E, it would be sunflower seeds and almonds and, you know, um, at least. On, and then for like omega threes, vegan omega threes, it would be like flaxseed, uh, you know, chia seed. And for flavonoids, it would be matcha and cocoa powder, yada, yada. Right. So and then it was literally like, okay, okay I have these lists. Can I make a product out of like combining A, B, C, D? Like, is there some permutation of me combining all these things? that would be a product and bars are and then there are a bunch of sub questions i only want to play in a big market like um the huge one is cost of goods like this thing can't cost a zillion dollars right that i would argue that's the toughest part of the whole equation but we can get back to that um i wasn't even thinking about that at, at first but basically I netted out like bars are a thing where you can mash a bunch of stuff together and it's like a serving. So like, okay, I'll do bars. And then I would just call. And also I bought like every bar ever. And I just, this is one of the crazy things to this day about food and bev is you, the recipes on the back. Like it's so wild. Um, and so Oh, I think, did he freeze? All right, I think he froze. I thought it was just a very, very long pause. No, I liked it. Yeah, I was going to say we were on a roll. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, Will, if you can hear us, if you can jump back in um, through the uh, StreamYard link. Let's reset the room until he comes back. Okay. This is episode 49 of Friday Vibes. I was getting ready to jump in and do it anyway. Let's read some comments. Um, this is a, a, a right before New Year's. So happy new year to our CPG food and Bev community here. I just feel like he's punking us and he's still there and he's just very still and he's going to be like, I got you. I, I got you. So we'll see. Um, so Kenny Hausman, happy Aloha Friday. Unfortunately, I cannot stick around as, as opening, working on opening a new store it's with Foodland. Okay. He dropped off. Uh, Will, he'll be back momentarily. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Martin Stoops, biggest regret of 2022 is not sponsoring Friday Vibes for Maple Valley Cooperative. Hopefully my next life. Yeah, I, did, I did read that Martin Stoops is leaving Maple Valley Cooperative um, on LinkedIn. So a lot of people moves happening these days, right? Right, Wade? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, you know, it's opportunities. I talked about this. We talked about this, you know, opportunities for new things. And uh, Martin's been a good supporter of the show and yeah. excited to see what's around the corner for him because I'm sure it's going to be something uh, meaningful and uh, big things. Martin's good people. So um, for sure, I think I saw, uh, I know uh, Billy was on here and he texted me a, a photo of his screen. It was a black, just a blank screen. Like um, it wasn't working for him. I thought someone else had in the comments that they had some trouble too. So I'm not sure what's going on. It's uh why, why two, two K or something. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Some, some kind of major breakdown. There's um, Will. There he is. Right, Will. Um, we just took a little uh like a, a pause we're gonna read some comments out then we'll go back to your story you there yeah you, you're so that. still i don't know if it's frozen or like yeah when, when you were talking you're being you were very still and then when you were talking you just went like this you're like how did it did it 
And then like, we thought you were just pausing for a really long time to think. Huh. And like, then after like five seconds, 10 seconds, we're like, I don't think he's, I think he's frozen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sorry about that. No worries. Um, I think StreamYard is having some technical difficulties. This usually happens once every couple of months. I think Wade, we got to get our Friday vibes, legal staff on that and send out some, some, some kind of, you know, threatening letter to StreamYard saying, Hey, stop screwing up. Exactly. Our exactly. And that's we're hiring the, 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 the part-time admin. Then we're going to be hiring a lawyer in that, in that order. Right. Uh, so Robert Walski, have we started? Okay. That probably there's probably a technical difficulty. Stephanie Huey, greetings. Daniel Caccioni, woohoo. Bilal, greetings and happy new year. What's up, Bilal from Bilani's? Nice hat, Alex. I can pretty much guess who that is, right? It's probably Rich. Um, yep. I, imagine. I don't I don't see his name. It says LinkedIn user. Yep. Uh, Tall Garden, go 2023 vibes. She's with Fun Sesame's. Ari Raz, Tom Malingo, happy new year. Patrick Sinclair, congratulations to him for recently completing the uh, the road to 100 with Forage. That was the final one. A couple more here, and then uh, Will, we'll get right back to your story. And then I, I wanted to pause, though, like a couple more. Um, Andrew Arbogast, or it's Arbo Cheese, right? Arbo, yep, Arbo Cheese Dip, yep. Uh, interesting to hear your thoughts on food as well. I've probably done five in the last year, but none have seen a return. That's a shocker right there. Um, so we, you know, Genius Juice has done a couple of crowdfunding campaigns. We did WeFunder, we did Republic. What are your thoughts on, you know, you did the Kickstarter, that story of getting money to um, fund a PO and to get customers, right? That's 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 a objective with Kickstarter and get your name and, and your product out there and get some sales on the books. What do you think of like WeFunder, Republic? Would you ever go to them versus raising from traditional investors? I know you've already raised from traditional investors, but curious to hear your thoughts on just traditional crowdfunding. And is that a good route? Is that a good route? Uh, it's a great question because I think people mistake things like Kickstarter for what I think they should be. Uh, this is my opinion. I'm sure other people disagree. Kickstarter is not really a way to fund your business. It's a way to get a proof point for your business and prove that you have a product people want and sell X amount of units of that product. Like your margins are going to be so bad from, from the get-go and all that. And you're going to make so many mistakes that are costly that like you're not going to be able to truly get your business off the ground on a Kickstarter. What you will be able to do is prove out your product and you know try to get an approximation of proving product market fit and hopefully as a result or as a byproduct raise money on that so that's how i always viewed it from the get-go um and it worked i mean that 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 was the goal we executed on it and then we raised money on it at a good valuation mm -hmm. um because you yeah, we had data, we had sales um, yeah. that we could prorate and yada, yada. The WeFunder thing is really interesting. No, I would not do that. Um, not to knock it. I've clearly worked for many folks. Me, the, the challenge I have with it is, is a few fold. So number one, like all the, and you know more than I, because you did it, but 
whatever filings you have to do, right? There's like all, there's this legal, these legal hurdles to jump, but let's say that's only just X amount of hours and it's pain in the ass, but whatever, right? So there's that. Um, the big one though is driving people to the, the page and the platform. And um, like the, with Kickstarter, we had to drive a ton of people there and then we got momentum and we're like trending and then we got a bunch of organic stuff. And, but the job was running Kickstarter. The job wasn't running the company. It, it like took over as my job as priority number one, which is not to say traditional fundraising doesn't do that. It does to a degree, but I don't know. You're not having to drive people a page and getting a zillion folks to contribute acts. You, you know, instead you're trying to find some person to contribute 5,000 X. And um, I don't know. It's clearly popular, right? There's a lot of people trying to do it. It seems hard to hit your goal. It seems like most people don't, but you can correct me if I'm wrong there. Yeah, I can, I can uh, yeah, jump in on it. I mean, we, we raised uh, about two years ago, uh, the 1.07 million on Republic, um, which we basically maxed our campaign, right? At that point in time, that was a legal ceiling that we can go to. Now with Reg CF, which is online, this in the SEC's eyes, Reg CF is an online crowdfunding. You can now raise up to 5 million online, which is, that's a lot of money. And um, so we, the way that we actually built our campaign is that was, you know, Shark Tank, all the people that signed up for newsletters, all the people that knew the brand, it was a lot of work. And there were multiple angles to make that. It wasn't like one magic bullet. It was like me calling people, me calling existing investors saying, Hey, look, you know, I'm not asking you to put in 50,000. I'm asking you to put in a thousand because the more money that we put in, the more progress we show and tra traction that's going to ignite the campaign and others that don't even know us will see the campaign and want to invest because there's all this money going into it and they get excited about it and usually the the first level to crack and again i'll i could go in i can do this all day i'll make this short is twenty five thousand. you want to get to twenty five thousand on republic or WeFunder because then they list you on the front page and then once they list you on the front page, then you have 700,000 members, right, of WeFunder. I think, I think, I can't remember what Republic's is, but it's large just like that, where they now see you on the front page as a trending campaign. And then you, you kind of let it have a life of its own and it gets momentum on its own because it's like a snowball going downhill. So, but the trick was most campaigns fail because they're not able to get it uh, lack of a better word, kickstarted or jumpstarted. Yeah, yeah. They, they can't get to that 25,000. They never get on the front page. And then after that, they just kind of close the camp. And also, if you don't reach, I think, 25,000, you don't even get any money out from the campaign. They just shut it down and you get, you're at a loss because of all the legal fees, right, to get your campaign started. So um, I would say it's it's a good move for a business that's native to online because you'll get a lot of new investors and then they will then order your product online. The downside to it is that, you know, you're going to have a thousand new investors or 500, even though it's under one line item on your cap table, you still have to deal with that. Well, here, here's another question I, ha I have for you that I never dug super deep on, but was just something I had thought about. 
which is generally speaking what the valuation you're going to peg is multiples higher on let's say a WeFunder than it would be that you would try to get from let's say a VC right that seems to be fairly consistent and I guess that's okay into that but let's say you don't um does that create problems in a subsequent round i guess unless you keep doing we funder or whatever let's say you were raising from a vc the, the subsequent round let's say you raised it whatever 100 million at value and then you come back two years later and the vc is like look I'll, you know you're worth 40. um yeah. obviously all the folks who in on, who invested via we funder get massively diluted it but does that create functional problems and like sort of risk hanging over you as you go like round to round. Well, the good thing about Republic and WeFunder and where the investors get a benefit from investing um, online is that they're typically a C note or a safe. They're not equity. So for those that are not familiar with this longer story short is that when you do a C note raise, or a uh, or a safe raise, safe note, which is basically very similar, the valuation is yet to be determined. There is a cap. There's a cap on it, but there's no determined valuation on the business. So let's say we raise on Republic at 100 million, um, which would be amazing, but we were not. Um, and then we raise from VC at 50 million. All those investors that came in on WeFunder Republic, let's say Republic, they will then get 50, they will get 50 million as their valuation. So it doesn't, it actually doesn't dilute the investors. It actually benefits them if the valuation is lower than what it is on Republic. Because, because, because the standard is a cap as well as a discount. Is that right? Yeah, there's a discount, there's a cap, and then the safe doesn't have an interest rate. Yeah. Interest yeah. rule, but um, the Republic. So, so they get 20, let's say 20% cheaper than the 50 in the subsequent round. Yeah. We'll get like. So, so you, so really you would get screwed, not we get, them. We get, we get diluted across the board. And so that's the running risk of doing an online campaign, especially if you raise. So I think like the key thing is, is that when you raise, I know, you know, I'm going to loop and wait on all this, but when you raise online, make sure you have a pathway to utilize that capital to, um, to, to increase the chances to really grow, not only to grow from, you know, just distribution, but grow from revenue because now you're under pressure to grow. And if you don't grow, you know, you have all this money from Republic or WeFund, or you don't have a solid plan of execution to grow your brand, grow distribution, do marketing. You don't know where the money's going. Like you don't do your homework. Then you run into an issue where you're going to come back a year later and be like, oh, you know how we raised that 40 million? We're actually needing to raise now at 20 million because we did not execute on, on our plan. So that's a danger with, with yeah. crowdfunding because you're, you're promising. And I wouldn't say you're promising, but you're telling them a story and what you're going to do based on the money you raise. And honestly, you know, most brands don't hit those goals. Like if you look at Republic or WeFunder, like you go on, every, you know, anyone that's watching the show, go on there, you know, go on Republic or WeFunder. And if you look at, you know, what they're dictating on their growth. Sometimes it's like not only a hockey stick, it's like a broken hockey stick. It's like, it's like straight up in the air. It's like, dude, you don't want to mislead investors, but you want to show where you could possibly go. So that's kind of a, that's a balancing act. So I want to, I want to flip it over to Wade and um, 
you know, change the subject here because um, I just want to get him in on some of these conversations. So, wait, have you, what are your thoughts on the brain space from a categorical point of view? Well, I think we talked a little bit about it in, in other episodes. Like, uh, you know, when I left California earlier this year, I would, if you asked me what one of the bigger categories uh, growing or segments or attributes, what, what, what have you, uh, was going to be for 2022, I, I would have said mushrooms, you know, because when I left, I was thinking, uh, you know, I was big in the mud water thing, uh, Parker with his granola, um, uh, Umbo with their bars. I just felt like what I was starting to see out there, I felt like it was only a matter of time before, you know, you're going to see a lot of things. And I know uh, Will uses some some of those mushrooms in his products, but um, I kind of felt that. So I feel like that that's certainly a segment that I feel has a lot of potential. I, I The question I have is, or it's not necessarily a question, it's a statement. It's, it's just the educational piece, you know, and just understanding, understanding, you know, when you, when you talk about whether it's a, a keto thing or something, you know, diet and lose weight and things like that, people get uh, pretty easily, right? But but understanding how how the attributes, the ingredients and all these things work to give you that support or give you that functionality you're looking for, I think the education piece is pretty important in this segment. Uh, and, and, and I guess my question is, is Will and, and chime in is how do you, how do you continue pushing that educational piece to someone outside your, what I would call your core audience that already gets it right. How do you appeal to the masses so that, Hey, this is what this product's going to do for you versus, Hey, I, this is lose weight. Right. I mean, just, just very generically, what, what would you say? Yeah, what I would say is a cardinal sin of CPG is to tether yourself to any trend other than trends that will never die, like low sugar, right? We Low sugar will never die. Um, I'm struggling to even think of another example that couldn't possibly die. Right? Yeah, so carb, maybe gluten free, gluten free, but even but even low carb, it's like some people care, some people don't like. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, like, so take, take mushrooms, right? That is a trend. Is it a trend here to stay? I don't know. Um, it's certainly not a mass market trend. Um, I mean, what is mass market, right? There's like different right. tranches. I, well, the way I think of mass market is like, could this do really well in club? Let's say um, if, I, if I put this on a table at Costco, would a ton of people stop by and buy it? Um, so with like mushrooms, and keto is another good example about it. Um, but with like mushrooms, it's, it's a trend. And for me, I wanted to create a trend resilient brand. So it'll have mushrooms in it. And for the folks who are interested in that, that's awesome. They can double click on that more and nerd out on it. And great. Maybe, that, maybe that's a key reason they bought us. For people who aren't, which by the way, is most people. I cannot have that be existentially an issue for me that causes them not to buy because we're the mushroom bar, right? Um, just the same way as we can't have be the keto bar, like um, to put keto in the name of a product, right? Like you're, you're dead. <laughs> I mean, not literally, but like um, you are tethering yourself to a trend that we know will die because all trends die. Um it, or, you know, it'll morph or whatever, but it's not going to be the same. 
of your control. And for me, it's like control. Keep as much as you can control in 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 your realm. Um, enough will be uncontrollable, but don't tether yourself to trends. But he, now I'll say something that's a little bit counter and maybe paradoxical to what what I just said, which is ride every trend. <laughs> so don't tether yourself to trends, but ride every trend, mm-hmm. which is a critical distinction. So like for us, so I'll t- take Quest Bar. Like they did it better than anyone, right? They were Quest Bar. They weren't tethered to a diet. And when keto came around, great. Like people that care about low carb, great. Let's like loop in the Atkins folks. Let's loop in the keto folks. Let's, they weren't ever tethered to anything. And therefore they were resilient to all things, but they rode the things, right? So we want to position ourselves to ride it, but not die if it dies. And so I feel that's exactly how I feel about, about mushrooms. Like I, I do not believe adaptogens ever truly break into the mass market. I, I just, I don't believe it. And that's yeah. coming from a guy who consumes them daily. Yeah. Um, look at, look at, I want to, Will, one thing I want to mention just as a case study is the brand Rebel, you know, um, and Rebel hasn't died off, but Rebel really focused on adaptogens on their branding for many, many years. That was, you know, how they found, that's how they founded the company. Let's put in some mushrooms. Let's put in some maca, you know, maca cold brew and all these different flavors, Reishi Reishi, um, Reishi chocolate and all that. And now they're, they have in the last year or two pivoted to more, more like three years to more like just a shake protein. You know, they have pro, a protein line, which is actually doing very well compared to their original line. Yeah. You know, it's really grown. So I think that's a key thing that Rebel really never, Rebel is probably doing 15, 20 million if I had to guess but they never hit that commercial success they were hoping for and promising investors because that trend really never took it. Um, it never really hit mainstream and it's still niche after seven well, years, eight years. I think you had a good post on this Alex the other day about like, don't try to be everything to everyone and you actually don't have to be mass market. So first, like we're even like too far. Let's just start at the beginning. What do you want to be? Like, what's the goal? Cause the goal is not necessarily mass market. Um, and by the way, everything's going to flow down from this decision, how much money you raise, who you raise money from, how much you dilute yourself, what products you roll out, yada, 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 yada. Like everything flows from that first question. Who do you want to be and to what do where in the market do you want to live? What's your go to market strategy? But let's assume that, you know, because people can like GTs, GTs is like a billion dollar company. It's a funky brand. That's a weird brand. By all accounts, that's a weird brand, according to the average American. But it does a ton of money. How? They owned the category for a very long time. It got less weird. It's still weird, though. Right. So um, but they can do it and they can be mass market. A lot of people said they wouldn't and would have bet against them. They did. Cool can't but that's like exceptional so can like mushrooms have a gt's moment it's always going to be weird weird can it get to a billion maybe i wouldn't bet on it i wouldn't bet on it and um that might be okay if your goal was never to get that big maybe your goal is to do incredibly well in like whole foods and and great you can build a 10 20 30 30 million dollar 
business that way. I've never been interested in that. My interest, not to say one is better than the other, but my interest is always, I want to be like mass market. I want like any random pe- person to, for me to be able to give them my product and them like it. So like, I'll give you an example, like a chocolate bar. Well, I could give that to a kid and it's like, hey, here's a chocolate bar. I could give that to like a naturopathic person and like, oh, hey, here's this thing that has like lion's mane in it and adaptogen and this and that. I could give this to someone going to the gym and be like, yeah, 12 grams plant protein, um, you know, keto. It's not going to spike your blood pressure, right? It's like um, fungible based on the, the different people. Therefore, I can be weird within segments, but the the um, confluence of all those things is not weird because it can touch anyone. That's my goal. It's, I think a lot of people would say that's the wrong way to do it. A lot of people would say you need to be simple, like be simple, be RX bar. It's all on the front. Laura bar, there's two ingredients, right? And there is a place for that. I think simple can win and has one. I don't think it's the only way. Um, I think People eat Quest bars for different reasons. Some people like the taste of whatever, cinnamon bun, and some people eat it because they're trying to lose weight, and some people eat it because they want 20 grams of protein, and some people buy it because it's a dollar cheaper than, you know, the Go Macro bar and yada, 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 right? They're like omnivaluable and therefore highly scalable. I think you touched on a lot, you know, and, and I've, I, kudos to, I would just echo a lot of what you just said. Uh, going back to the keto, and and I know I've referenced the Atkins, um, the Atkins craze when uh, when I was still at store level, and this is going back I don't know 18 years, 18, 19 years ago. You know, you rode that wave when Atkins was hot. You expanded your section out in the store, but you put in a, a point in the store where you knew it was going to be around forever. So that when it condensed, the products went away, the craze died down. You you just you just made the section smaller. And then you moved out of it. And, and, and I think from a branding standpoint, you've, you've touched on a lot that I would agree with. And um, going back to the mushroom example and the keto example, I think um, I, I wholeheartedly agree with what you said. It's like if you have keto in your name, I think you're asking for trouble long term um, based on longevity, based on uh, trends and all those things. It's OK to have keto attributes or be, quote unquote, keto friendly. But if you're hitching your wagon to the word keto and five years from now, that means nothing. What is your brand? Right. I mean, what is your brand? You know, you have to go through all through that. Now, to your point, if you ride the wave and maybe in your short term advertising or even packaging or limited time offers, special flavors, something like that, you you shout out those attributes and use the word. It's OK, but then move on and kind of be nimble. Right. As far as not attaching yourself to the entire craze if you will and i think i don't know i think you, you you touched on so many things there and i think some of the comments are backing that up alex and i know you had this one up i think we wanted to talk to will about yeah, it like right um, yeah this one here so this right. is from uh, arbo's dips uh andrew arbogast arbo's dips so he's asking about managing scaling with preferred distributors other than local stores were you working direct with retailers did you use major food CPG distributors to access bid retail. And I'm sure his question also might have the broker question there as well as how did you, how did you scale um, where you wanted to go? Yeah. 
I, it's tough. This is my first business. I've done it a certain way. So I can tell you all the learnings based on the way I did it, which is certainly an imperfect way, but has, let's say, worked on, on balance. Um, I like the cardinal sin. I went into uh, CVS as my, our first retail. So as I said, we started on e-commerce. We built up like a pretty nice business on e-commerce. Like we were doing 20K, then we were doing 40K a month, then we were doing 60K a month. Like we were like, uh, there was some, ima- there's a magical period there where like keto, you could freaking write keto on a brick and sell it to someone like um, Amazon. So like, again, like ride the wave um, and waves are easier to ride online at first because people are searching for stuff quicker than things can hit shelves. So um, we got like decently big and then we, we, we made enough like noise and had enough presence where not necessarily like retailers were calling us, but if I called the retailer, they could like corroborate that we weren't some Johnny come lately, you know? So anyway, we went into CVS and that was, I will spare you the details. Um, challenging, shall we say? Um, but then I connected with the Kroger buyer. Kroger was our second retailer ever. And we went into, we went into a thousand Kroger's. <laughs> this is like a, less than a year into selling our first bar. Um, and that was how we got answered the, the question. How do you, we always got the retailer and then that forced us into distribution. And then we got a couple and then we were in enough DCs where we're like, okay, let's try and build out other DCs. Um, we don't use brokers to, for the most part, we use brokers where effectively we're forced to use brokers and I have no problem with brokers. Um, and I think some are really great and we do use a few brokers in very specific areas. Generally speaking, we are in such a tight margin business that you're going to have to claw five points of margin out of my dead hands before I, not dead hands, but let's just say it's hard to claw it out of my hands um, to convince me that it's worth giving away five points of margin, right? So that just is like a base case. So I'll do anything I can to try and get whatever retailer. And if I can't, cool, let's, let's see if a broker can help me do it. Um, and sometimes that happens, but, um, yeah, it's sort of, you know, there are a couple other interesting things about the whole omni-channel thing to where if you can build a big enough e-commerce business, buyers are literally searching Amazon for like, I won't name the retailer. I don't know if this is sensitive or not, whatever. I won't name them, but massive retailer, massive. Um, the guy hits me up and he's just like, I, I look to what I put on my shelves based on what is doing well on Amazon because it's like um, a leading indicator. It's a leading indicator. Like I said, people are searching for things before things at shelves. So us just getting on Amazon had this epic halo effect of like literally these big buyers would contact us through our contact us form on on our website, which I, I first found to be like crazy. I was like, whoa, that's like against every playbook I've ever read. Um, but is the case, you know, that is the case, at least, at least to a degree. Um, 
And then the other cool thing about online is you have so much data. You have so much data that you can then use to build compelling stories. Um, so, I, yeah, that I just have to say it's worth underscoring, like doing well online can massively benefit you in terms of just getting the doors, whether or not it helps you turn it when you're, when you're in the doors. That's a different story. But getting the doors, very yeah. helpful. And you also have the factor where um, people that buy your product online, which is, I mean, I'm looking at your Amazon ratings, having over 5,000 ratings is a lot. It's a, it's a successful brand on Amazon, right? To like, you know, because not everyone's going to leave a review that buys the product. So you can only imagine how many customers that Will has on just one SKU is chocolate and fruit lovers, variety keto bars, there's 5,000 ratings just on that one SKU on that variety pack. But you're getting people that are already aware of the brand. Like they've, they bought it online. They've seen it on an ad. They saw it on an email marketing and then they go into the store looking for it. And I think that's a, a fundamental strategy that, you know, magic spoon went after, right. Uh, I don't know how they're doing in target, but, um, they're in Sprouts as well. I know you guys are in Sprouts that you're, 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 you're pushing people to the store. And I'm sure you did this. I, I, I'm, I'm going to join your mailing list now and guilty as charged. I didn't join it before that you you probably let your customers know, Hey, we launched at Kroger. We launched at Sprouts. If you don't want to wait online or you don't want to buy it online, go to the store. So I think like, you know, you also designed your your product to be very e-commerce friendly, which has plagued us from the beginning at Genius Juice, where we have a heavy ass product, it's refrigerated, it's sensitive. If there's any, you know, if the FedEx guy leaves it on the wrong driveway, it's guaranteed to go bad pretty much, you know, if it's sitting there in the sun for a day and then someone gets pissed off at us, even though it's FedEx's fault. A lot of that is kind of out of the equation with your product where it could be on the, on the, on a truck for five days, seven days, and it's still going to get there intact. Um, the thing that I'm just like, I'm a marketing guy. And I also like that there's a, I think, I don't know if you, you probably meant to do this, but I'm going to ask you the double entendre of IQ bar, like smart water or, you know, genius juice where it may be good for the brain and body, but you're also saying it's a smart decision. Have you factored that into percent Yep. So well, someone may not even know that it's good for the brain, right? Like they're not educated yeah. on brain ingredients and you get that a mainstream consumer that knows nothing about brain ingredients. They just want something to fill them up, um, you know, or lose weight, which is the more common need, right? For an energy bar or get energy from it. So you're targeting, you know, getting energy, losing weight, filling you up, you know, without having a meal on the go. And someone may not even have to know that it has brain ingredients, brain food ingredients in it, right? That, that's so. what I was saying. So Wade's, Wade's point on the mushrooms, I feel the same way about the brain, right? We will lose straight up if we focus on the brain exclusively. Right. Like brains, the brain is not mainstream. The brain is not mass market. One goes into a Kroger and is like, hmm, let me go find some brain food. Unless they're getting like omega-3 yeah, salmon fatty or acid pills, yeah. you know? And that's about where that stops. Right. So I think this is a so so the whole concept with IQ is like, okay, and it's kind of like gross organ, right? It's like brain bar. It's like, oh, am I eating a brain? It's a weird psychological 
consumer process. So keep it ethereal, right? IQ is kind of ethereal. It's like, it's just dust up there. And it's like, yeah, it, it can tie to anything. <laughs> it's a, yeah, smart, smart water, smart food, whatever. Um, again, it's fungible. I feel like I'm overusing that word, but but it's an important what, what word. What is fungible? What is fungible? Fungible. Mean? It means it can turn into different things. Ah, so like okay. a dollar is fungible into yen or a Canadian dollar or whatever. You can turn it into different things. So IQ bar can mean different things to different people. Um, so I yeah, you're right. I mean that was important to have that as our identity because also like we're a protein bar like people searching protein bar will find us so again no one goes it's not a door opener it's a door closer the, the brain the brain element and you have to meet people if i've ever learned anything in cpg fight consumer behavior unless you're willing to spend a hundred million dollars and Um, do not fight consumer behavior. Mm -hmm. Meet people don't where they to, are. Don't try to revolutionize, right? Don't try to revolutionize what consumers want because usually you'll, you'll you'll lose, right? Yeah, you'll lose unless you have a ton of money in, in 10 years or 20 years. But if you meet people where they are and then like the rounding element is differentiation, you can win. But you can't start with that, right? So with bars... What do people care about with bars? It's all the, it's always the same, always the same. Time immemorial, protein, sugar, lesser degree carbs. And then, if people nerd out on protein, the source of protein, like is it vegan or not? Right, that's what everyone cares about. And so, if you start with like, oh, come get omega three and flavonoid, you've lost like you've lost them. That's yeah. not why they showed up to the store. They showed up for those reasons. But if you start with like check, check, check. Oh, and it has lion's mane. Like now you've won. So yeah. ordering is really package. critical. Yeah. Well, and you look at it, we're, we're kind of, we're running low on time, but I also want to go into the packaging of it as well, where, you know, I'm displaying it for those that are watching right now. Um, since plug, we're also an Apple podcast plug five stars that, you know, I love the packaging where it's like it subtly winks at people. Like to me, it's really ingenious, pun intended, that on this packaging we're looking at, it has all the mainstream things you'd want, you know, 12 grams of protein, low sugar, no low neck, you know, low neck carbs, keto, you know, paleo, vegan, you know, mainstream kind of, you know, the look is unique, but also mainstreamable. But then for those that care about brain nutrients, you have a little subtle nod like a little subtle wink on there and then it ties in really nicely to IQ. So yeah, I just, I'm not really nothing to say on it more than just job well done. I think it's killer packaging. Oh, thank you. We, and by the, this is insanely hard, the call out stuff and identity. Like I'm like five years in and I struggle with it still. Like the simple question of who are you and who are you for? Yep. Is wild, wildly complex. Yeah. Who's your customer, right? Who's your consumer? Yeah. Let's get into our next segment here because we also have a, uh, a very, very, very good sponsorship um, this week, which is, I'm going to scroll up, scroll up, which is Rich Insights, 
Richard Moniz. He has some really, some kick-ass um, giveaways here. And then, uh, Will, I wanted just to put you on the spot since your, your neurons are pumping from all the bars you've had for IQ. Did you want to throw in a, uh, a prize of a variety pack for a lucky winner? I think it froze. Oh, I said, yeah, let's do it. Cool. It's kind of like an offer you can't refuse the way I phrased it. Like, you know, do you want to let down all of our fans and people watching by not giving away a prize? Oh, you give away a prize. Great. That's, you know, yeah, it's leading the no way to that question. <laughs> so uh, we're going to go to things, uh, stuff we love. Um, Will. Uh, this really is just a time that we talk about other products that we love that's in our pantry or fridge. Um, again, we didn't prepare you for any of this stuff because there's no script, just chat. Uh, we just met you five minutes ago or 57 minutes ago. So, uh, Wade, I'm going to start with you and then I'm going to flip it to Will. I'm, well, I'm going to be major, major lame here because, you know, I just got back, uh, really about 36 hours ago i got back late thursday morning uh from california so i my cupboard's pretty much empty but being that i brought back some kind of california bug with me i'm loving these things right now these uh honey herb uh ricola cough drops have have done me well uh with this bug i brought back from california so i know that's lame but that's what i've got alex okay uh, Will, anything that you've recently had, you're like, man, this is, this is awesome. I've been crushing the Ricola things as well, coincidentally, but, um, chicken fried rice from Trader Joe's big fan. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> the frozen, the entire frozen section of Trader Joe's, I could just list off like 10 things there and incredible section. Yeah. I don't I'll be my, checking that out. My wife loves the chicken wrap at Trader Joe's when she was uh, pregnant, it was like the go-to, you know? And I think you you weren't kidding earlier where you like the grab and go, right? You like things that are already pre-prepared. Have you have you gone into any of the, like the, um, what is it like Daily Harvest or Blue Apron, any of those guys at all? Nothing? Okay. That's Why too not? like, high, that's too highbrow for me. Too highbrow. I just, need, I just need chicken fried rice and like frozen burritos from Trader Joe's. <laughs> That's brain yeah. food right there. Love it. Yeah. It's obviously working. So uh, this is kind of bizarre. This is not something you eat straight, but I really love this brand. I don't know. It's called One Degree Organic Foods and they have sprouted rolled oats. Um, they had a bag that was the size of, you know, like a trash bag, it seemed, at, at Costco. It was enormous. It was like four times the size of this. And it took us, I think, eight months to get through it because oatmeal never goes bad. But after we got through it, it was no longer at Costco. I bought it from Whole Foods and it's sprouted, it's organic, it's gluten-free. I mean, that's I didn't know that was possible with oatmeal. And uh, there's a story on the back of the family and the farm. It's pretty cool. So that is one degree. What, the other what do you that, think about stories on the back? What's the science on that? Does that work? I, Does it not work? Is it kind of could go either way? It could go either way, depending on the product and depending on the story. Um, I like to see stories about farms, like like for like Vital Farms, right? It, it integrates with their brand, you know, the pasture raised eggs. 
where do the where do these eggs come from? The sourcing story is very important. But right. you know, if I'm buying, you know, fucking a chocolate bar, I don't care about the story about how they. I mean, I care about fair trade and all that. But but as far as like how they make it or all that stuff, I don't really need to know that story. I just want to know what it is and yeah. why it's good for me um, and why I should buy this over another chocolate bar. So it could go either way, but I I tend to lean away from stories because that's valuable real estate on that packaging. I mean, you can educate people on your ingredients, on the benefits, on why they should choose you. And especially when you're going into natural where people are just like, they turn the label around a lot more than let's say, you know, Kroger. They just grab it and they're on to the next thing on their list. Um, you got to take advantage of that, that, that valuable real estate, in my opinion. So this is the other one that I really, I've been obsessed with. I've been, I was on a hue kick for a while. Like Wade is working. Is Taza chocolate. The um, hockey pucks. The hockey pucks. Yeah, the hockey pucks. There's, uh, it's closed. So I'm not, I won't open it, but there's two discs that are inside and you break the discs up to little pieces. And this is stone ground cacao. It has organic cocoa beans, cacao beans, and organic cane sugar. And it's 85%. It's super dark. They have vanilla. They have- I think those guys are Boston based. I could be totally wrong there. That's, 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 I'm going to make this up. That's exactly why I brought this up for you. I, I'm going to take- They have killer know. displays too. They're wooden displays. Yeah, like the rustic, kind of like, like the rustic, the racks they have they have these the racks at checkout and they're like yep. real wood and they're yeah. beautiful yep they invested heavily in that and uh i find this typically in the specialty section more than a checkout i don't know why like 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 it's not in the main These checkouts checkouts typically are paid paid space right so um, yeah yeah, I, mean, I, I guess maybe you see it more out there, like on the East Coast, because they're there. That's where they're based. Well, but I, I typically see this like in the wine section, like the specialty cheese and wine. Um, and I also see it in the baking section as well. So it's kind of random. Man, that's smart. That's smart to put in wine, the wine section. Yeah. Right. So uh, anyway, that's Taza. Uh, it kicks ass. And the story. So. All right, let's go into our next segment, which is called Friday Freebies. And we're gonna have an extra freebie, which is the offer he couldn't refuse, giving away also some bars of IQ. Friday Freebies. So uh, Alex, before we get too far into Friday Freebies, we have to talk about our ongoing sponsor, and that is vdriven.com and Luke Abbott, who are working feverishly to help us with the uh, admin support that we're talking about uh, hopefully be on board here in the next couple of weeks. But V driven is a CPG partner for emerging purpose-driven brands. They fuel growth and innovation by providing strategies and support in every phase of the retail journey from leadership, coaching, brand management, accounting, sales strategy, day-to-day -day tactical support. They can be the end-to-end -end solution for a brand's business needs their leadership team has decades of real-life experience in all key areas of the business and knows what it takes to help make brands succeed. That's Luke Abbott, Luke.Abbott, uh, two Bs, two Ts, at vdriven.com, or you can go to vdriven.com, and they're our ongoing sponsor. Basically, think of it almost like a, uh, a menu of choices, right? You go in, and, and you want fries, you want a drink, you can say, I want sales, I want operations, I want merchandising whatever you want they'll help you with so 
thank you v driven but our today's sponsor uh that alex alluded to and the hat that he's sponsoring or, or rocking right there is rich monas with rich insights and rich insights is uh was created to bring methodologies used by the biggest global CPG companies to smaller companies, companies who are making a positive difference, whether that they be through consumer health, sustainability, or just plain good vibes and kindness. They use eye tracking as their main tool and for about the same price of a listing fee can test multiple package designs, determine a winning design, break down why it won, learn why the other designs failed, and use those insights to further enhance the winning design. They want healthier, sustainable, and more positive companies to get noticed and steal a higher percentage of attention at shelf. They do all this while planting trees based on the size of the study. So uh, I don't know, Alex, if you want to touch a little bit on that, I think I got everything there. My screen cut off a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, um, I just want to list his email really quick for those that want to get in touch with, uh, with Rich Moniz. It's just Moniz, M-O-N-I-Z. And I know, I think Wade will type it in there. Yep. Moniz. I'm sorry, I, I misread this. R Moniz, R M O N I Z at richinsightsresearch.com. And we'll put it into the comments here. Um, that's Rich pretty is a great cool. dude. Great dude. Yeah. And I think it's a cool service that he offers something that's affordable that you can test your packaging. Like, okay, here's five different versions. And he sends it out to a bunch of people, consumers. And he's done all the research, all the categorical data research, what, what consumer would be the best fit for your product. And then he sends it out to them and then they do an eyeball test. And not only do they pick the best packaging, but they also pick, they also tell, they, they share with you where the consumer's eyes are going on the packaging, which is also very, I think, very, very key. Um, so instead of just showing your family over dinner, what do you think of this? You know, like you're actually getting to your consumer base, not to your a significant other and cats, you know, you want to go to someone, a consumer base that's more legit. So, um, yeah, so, we all oh, I was going to say, so the giveaway is, uh, he's giving away two prizes, right? Is that, am I reading this right? He's giving away two prizes. So yeah, it's going so to be, winners. uh, rich insights, branded bottle. And we'll come back to that in a second and branded hat, which Alex is rocking and even cooler is they're going to plant, 25 trees in the name of the winner and that leads into alex's hat that he's wearing that i'll let him touch on but the branded bottle is a legit yeti bottle it's not you know something that you're just going to buy at the dollar store it's a legit yeti branded rich insights bottle so it's it's the real deal so uh it's a, it's a great prize the hat the bottle the trees uh it's good stuff for everyone yeah the bottle's super durable i uh I, I took it with me on our trip to Avila Beach. I take it with me golfing. I take it all over the place. It's it's the real deal, like Wade said. And then, so that's going to be two prizes for one winner, right, Wade? Is that am I reading that right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. So yeah, it's the bottle, the hat, and the trees. Yes, that's so. Yeah, basically, it's technically three, but yes. So one winner, and then you've got the bars as well, right? Yep. And then the bars, uh, you know about them. If you've been listening to the episode, enough said, you're going to give away, uh, what do you want to give away? Like a variety pack or something? 
Well, I'll give away what we call an ultimate sampler. It actually includes our um, hydration stick packs. We didn't even get in. We, we sell hydration stick packs as well called IQ Mix. And then we're actually moving into coffee as well. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, IQ Joe. And that, that goes back to like your point before, which is you have a brand name that could be transferred over and used in different categories. Like the brand name is not stuck to one category or type of food right? You can do IQ this, IQ that, and same thing with Genius. So I think it's uh, brilliant, man. You, you set it up for uh, some expansion, which is it's very smart. Um, so Rich is saying two, two winners for his, his package, uh, he's saying. Okay. So we're going to have three winners total, two for the Rich Insights, which is the bottle and the hat and 25 trees plant in your, na in your name. And then also the uh, ultimate sampler pack, with, this, with the hydration sticks and the bars from Will Nitza of IQ Bar, our guest here. So at this point, I made a really big mistake and I have, I have not been running down any freaking questions that we could ask, okay? And so the way this works, Will, is that we asked some question that happened, some, 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 something that was mentioned, either a, a certain factoid or a certain date or a certain you know, amount, a number, something that was mentioned in this episode that they would have to be paying attention to answer um, and then win the prize. And we want to make it hard because our, our viewers are very smart. They, they, they hang on every word. So um, I don't have anything right now, uh, but Wade or Will, do you have anything on your side? I got, I got something for you. Nice. Okay, this will be for the IQ bars and the sticks, right? Yeah. Well, they could, they could tell me what city I flew to in my first job out of college. Uh, where I was selling software. Love it. That's a really good one because you mentioned it. it, but you didn't focus on it. So it was like, you know, you kind of just threw it in there. So one more time, Will, what's the question? Question is in my first job out of college, I was selling software to a certain industry and I was flying to a certain city all the time. What city was that? <laughs> All right. Someone said Houston. Someone said L.A. Should I tell oh, you the, the answer? If, no, if it's no, one of those? A, uh, if, if it is one of those, then they win. Well, it is one of them. Okay. Which Houston. one is it? Houston. Martin is. Martin nice. Whoops. There it is. All, All right, right. So I got to think of one. Uh, I didn't have one ready either, Alex. Uh, hmm. We failed. We we failed at this. I wasn't expecting we'd have three. Uh, let me think about it a minute. I'll come up with something. Yeah, I'm thinking about what the you know what we talked about. Um, I my I can come up with an easy one, but I don't know that we want to be too easy. But I don't know. It's the end of the year. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, we want to want to give away kind of a post Christmas pre New Year's. Oh, it's not that easy. All right. So Will talked about the first major retailer that he was in that wasn't successful for a number of reasons. And what was that retailer? I got, I got a good one now. I got a real good one. And this, this one was mentioned somewhere on the latter half of the show. So it makes it a little easier. All right. Andrew. Boom. Right. There you yep. go. CVS. 
All right. And then my, uh, my question is what, uh, what does Will like to pick up and eat? What is it and where does he go to buy it? And it's gotta be verbatim. Like what is it actually called? And we're giving away the farm here today. A lot of prizes. Where does uh, where did Will go? Where does he go? Frequent for the for the for the fancy people out there. Trader, okay. So you got to do both, I think. So we we uh, can one winner win twice? They cannot, right? It goes to the well, next. No, one. he already won. So is it Bilal then? I think Bilal. And is that that's right, right? Yep. Will. Yeah, and, Andrew and Bilal. Yeah, so they do they split the bars? I'm just kidding. No, no, but, no. Uh, Martin's got the bars. Andrew and Bilal right. get the, the rich insights. That's right. All right. So I think Bilal's will, will be the winner for the rich insights. Andrew Arbogast will be the other winner for the rich insights. And then we have the CVS answer, which is, I'm sorry, I screwed this up. Bilal won the, uh, Bilal won the rich insights. Andrew won the rich Andrew insights. Won the rich insights. Martin won the bars. Martin won the bars. There you yep. go. Make sure to reach out. You will not win your prize unless you reach out to Friday Vibes 100. Uh, Friday Vibes 100100 at gmail.com. And we will connect you with the sponsor and uh, you can claim your prize and they will send it directly to you. So, all right. Um, Again, this, this episode, uh, the main ongoing sponsor is VDriven. So make sure to check out vdriven.com. And also you can email loop.abbott at vdriven.com, which will be in the comments here once more. We're just mentioning it again. And, uh, and then, Will, thanks for being on our show, for sharing your story, and a lot of uh, advice and insights. And um, Happy New Year to you and everyone that tuned in. And Wade, Happy New Year to you. Definitely. Happy New Year. Thanks for joining. Likewise. Bro. Thanks for having Definitely. me on. Been fun. EatIQBar.com if you want to go ahead and buy it. Go on Amazon. But I think EatIQBar, going on your site and buying it, that's is that preferred? Or either way, right? Go on Amazon and leave a review. That's the only yeah. that's the only better thing. But yeah, let's just say EatIQBar.com is a good, good one. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. Be safe out there. Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2023.